Welcome back to the Dad in a Rock podcast. This is Sean. And this is Chris. Hey, we're back at it again. It's, uh, well, it's a week later, and we're here to, to discuss all the latest in uh, pop culture and uh, dad stuff. So, uh, yeah, what what have you been up to? What's uh, Have you watched anything good lately? Uh, you know, I'm still working my way through The Witcher, but that's, that's something that we're going to really get into at a different point. Uh, yeah. It seems crazy and fun. It's one of those things, if you haven't watched it and you're like a fan of, say, like Lord of the Rings or... Uh, Game of Thrones, it's definitely something that you would you would enjoy. Cause it's down, I can see the the influence right. of George R. R. Martin and, and Tolkien in, in the series. So if you enjoy those two, I say go for it. But uh, that's something without spoiling it for anybody else or even for myself. I mean, you could spoil it for me because I'm not even <laughs> at the end yet. Uh, we'll kind of address that later. But uh, how about you? Um, I've actually been watching a series on HBO. It's only about three episodes in. It's called The Outsider, but it's based off a Stephen King novel. Uh, it stars Ben Mendelsohn, who uh, you might recognize as uh, Krennic from uh, Rogue One. Oh, okay. Uh, he he plays the um, sort of this main detective in the show, and it has Jason Bateman, who, who uh, probably most famous from Arrested Development. He's also an Ozark on uh, Netflix, but. Uh, essentially, uh, you know, Jason Bateman is uh, kind of a suspect in this murder, uh, but it turns out that he was out of town when this murder took place. He was at a conference, and he has strong alibis, and nobody really believes he did it within his family anyway. Uh, but yet, uh, he has plenty of other eyewitnesses and video uh, of him kind of walking around after this murder. So it's uh, it's a mystery. It's very well acted, and it's you know it's got those creepy Stephen King vibes. And of course, it's an HBO show, so it's done really well. Uh, so maybe th- that might be something that uh, we'll have to uh, maybe talk about uh, either after the season or kind of later, further into the season. Yeah, it's I think that's one of the ones I was intending on watching, and then uh, I decided to leave Spectrum, and then HBO was no longer free. <laughs> so I've kind of. Uh... I lost my HBO privileges. <laughs> oh, no. We'll have to uh, remedy that. But, uh, yeah, um, that's definitely one. Once you're through with The Witcher, I highly suggest it. But uh, I know one show that you and I both watched this week that we kind of talked about and previewed last week is Picard on CBS All Access. What you think of the episode? Oh, it was awesome. You know, and we only seen that we are, I guess, now part of the Internet world. We weren't privy to getting three of the episodes like some people were out there. <laughs> uh, we got the one, but uh, hey, we'll, we'll wait. <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, it was it was what I was expecting. I mean, I was looking at it, even from the jump, visually, it was it was really nice. Yeah. I, I know some people were saying that they didn't get the same, like, Star Trek feel out of the opening. And since I really have no connection to those prior, you know, movies and franchise portions of it, it right. didn't bother me at all. But uh, right off the gate, I, I enjoyed it from when it, you know, showing Patrick Stewart just kind of, just kind of, dra- I think it opened up with a dream sequence with him and Data. Yeah. And uh, they went into that portion of it. But uh, we should say this real fast. There's going to be spoilers galore. So if you haven't seen it yet, I mean, shame on you because we're not, you know, huge Star Trek fans. But uh, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, go watch it. I mean, you know, we're we're part of the uh, pop cultural zeitgeist here, and we're going to review stuff. We got to talk about something on this show, right? Um, exactly. So yeah, and you know spoilers. what? It's free for a week. You can get it at yeah. no charge. <laughs> go watch the first episode. See if you like it. But yeah, you're absolutely right. It opens up with uh, this awesome kind of you know you see all these nebulas and, and space, and it zooms in onto the the old Enterprise, the, the the Enterprise that was on Star Trek The Next Generation, it actually kind of zooms in and through a window, and it opens up with um, Picard playing some poker with Data. And Picard kind of has a couple of these dream sequences uh, throughout the episode where he kind of is uh, dreaming and thinking about Data. Yeah, I mean, there. well, we always knew that there was a strong bond between, you know, Picard and Data, Data himself. Right. But uh, you see, you know, the, the you are saying, the poker game, and Data knows how to get, you know, win the game and basically put Picard all in. And Picard basically says, I don't want this to end. Right. So he's getting to the point where I think he even mentioned in the show where he doesn't even want to wake up from his dreams now because his dreams are better than what his reality is. Yeah, yeah, you're right. We find Picard kind of being, um, you know, the last time we saw him, he was kind of retiring to his Chateau Picard, his, little, his yeah. vineyard 
in France, and he's um, you, you would think that at his age and and the fact that he's doing you know he's he's in a vineyard that's named after his family that he'd be somewhat satisfied with his you know his pit bull number one and the couple of Romulans that kind of keep his company and keep his house for him, um, but he is just longing. There's this one part of the episode where he essentially says, you know, I'm, I'm not living here, I'm, I'm dying here, or, you know, to paraphrase him. But essentially he feels like he's kind of wasting his time uh, when he could be out there amongst the stars kind of back in action. Well, he's always stuck in, he's stuck in his past. He can't see yeah. for the day or in the future. He feels his, his regrets from the mistakes that have happened, and he kind of wants to go ahead and rectify them in some way. And you can tell by the way the show is, he has no idea how to. And he's really just kind of a shell of who he may have been in, in the past. But yeah, then he gets, uh, apparently he kind of gets sucked in or he agrees to this, like, this interview with this, like, news, you know, news company. And it's, it's supposed to be, you know, a, a real light interview first interview he's he's approved for uh, and they they give a period of time yeah he's like okay i'll do it as long as you know on these terms here we won't bring up certain things and we're just going to make this a a gentle type hey i'm still here i'm alive don't write me don't write me off yet type things (laughs) yeah and uh she really she crosses the line quick on him oh she pulled the uh, classic journalist thing where you agreed to kind of the uh the soft interview and she was throwing hard balls (laughs) oh yeah flipping up you know you know, pictures of the past and everything. And, and he even basically shuts her down by saying, what do you know about war? Because you've exactly. never been in it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that's a like cliff notes of really what happened. I don't know the words verbatim, but I mean, he, he starts actually taking shots at the, uh, the Federation on TV. Right. So it's like, he, once the knife was in, he was like, I'm, you know what? I might as well go for it. Yeah, well, this scene with the interview, it gives the audience um, a lot, kind of a data, well, data dump, data dump. <laughs> it's funny because I typically say data when I'm talking about information, but I think data is like data. I don't think they call them data, so I'm like switching back and forth between the pronunciation <laughs> of that word. Um, but yeah, it's kind of a data dump. Uh, you know, they have to do a lot of exposition because it's been 18 years since we've seen Picard as the character in anything. The last time was uh, Star Trek Nemesis back in 2002, um, and that is actually where Data um, sacrificed himself so Picard could live on at the end of that movie. Um, so that's why Picard kind of has these hang-ups, especially with Data as a character and, and Mrs. his friend, you know, and somebody that um, was more than just an AI. It was He was a person with a heart and soul and sacrificed himself so Picard can, could live on. Um, but, uh, yeah, you, you find out during this interview kind of a little bit about what happens. I guess it ties into a little bit um, into the J.J. Abrams, that first Star Trek film, where the timeline kind of deviates. That film opens up with old Leonard Nimoy Spock trying to avoid a, a cataclysm or a, like a planet-destroying event for Romulus. And, um, anyway, that that thing ends up happening, uh, and that's the same timeline that the next generation is in and Picard is in. And uh, he was able to uh, get a ton of Romulans off of this planet before it kind of goes haywire. And the Federation, I guess, wasn't a huge fan of that because um, historically uh, the Romulans have been, uh, you know, enemies to the Federation. And uh, But, you know, Picard's Picard. He's like, you know, these aren't just Romulan lives. These are lives. They're lives, and yeah. It, and he took it upon himself to save a bunch of them, which I assume is why the, a couple of them have his back and kind of keep him company at his house now. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a big plot point too. I mean, they're 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 there with him. They're yeah. not just they're not so much servants are there. They're there kind to kind of just to, to keep like repay together. a debt. Yeah, they're 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 friends of his. Right. Uh, that, that's kind of how I took it because when they were going into the interview and everything, they're like, "This is what's going on. You don't have to do this." They were kind of you know treating him almost like a like a father, a grandfather, you know what I mean? Kind of kids gloves yeah. almost, per se. Yeah, they say something along the lines of, you know, they may forget what you did, but we'll never forget, you know, that kind of thing. So they're yeah. they're very much in debt to him and very respectful, and this interviewer was clearly not, and, and he had no time for it after a few minutes. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, like you were saying, the line that, you know, they weren't just Romulan lives, they were they were lives. Right. I think that's a, a very, uh, very telling, you know, statement from yeah. him i think just by that statement alone you can learn who picard was even if you had no backstory with him at all 
Oh, I think that's a great point. I mean, that suits his character so well. Uh, Picard is a lot of, you know, Trekker's favorite captain, and there's been a lot of captains over the last few decades, you know. Uh, but Picard kind of, you know, people go back and forth between Kirk or Picard. They love the adventurous kind of uh, rogue guy that, uh, you know, Kirk was in William Shatner's performance. Um, but Picard was just like this, you know... He, he went through trials and tribulations, but he was oh, he always came out with the right, and, you know, he answered a lot of questions that were difficult, uh, a lot of choices that, like, had no easy answers, but he always ended up doing the right thing with the support of his crew and just being, you know, an all-around classy guy. And, uh, yeah, I think it was a shortcut to really get to know this character, even if you've never seen a Star Trek episode before. There's another character named Dodge. That she's just kind of hanging out with her boyfriend, being all happy that she got, you know, accepted into this school, and they get they get like space jumped. And oh people yeah. Kind of warp into the room and knife her boyfriend, and all of a sudden they say something like, "Have you have you activated or anything like this?" Yeah, she's like, "What?" I'm like, yeah, "What?" They throw a activated. bag over her head and like they're about to carry her out of there, and she activates and while the bag is over her head. She goes all Jason Bourne on them. Yeah. And just completely takes them out, and she's like. Now she's terrified because she had no idea that she had that capability in her. And somehow she flashed or seen Picard and she's walking by and she sees his interview. And then she has that, that, that moment like, okay, that's where I can be safe. And then she basically just shows up on his vineyard. Yeah. And, you know, she walks up and he's like, okay, who are you? And they start talking and then uh, she finds out, I mean, just being him, he invites her to sit down he gets to know a little bit more about her, and they keep going. Yeah, absolutely. There was a uh, scene that I liked um, where they were sitting down at the uh, the table, you know, having dinner or whatnot, and she kind of she's like, you know, how do how do you can you trust me or or whatnot? Or he's kind of debating whether or not uh, he's able to trust this total stranger. But he feels something. He feels some sort of uh, recollection. He can he he can tell that he looks at her in a way where she reminds him of of someone. Um, if they even if they've never met, um, but he essentially says that you know if you were a bad guy or if I couldn't trust you, then number one, his uh, trusty pit bull <laughs> would let him know, uh, which is great. I think it's uh, awesome that because um, Patrick Stewart he's actually like a, a big proponent of uh, pit bull rescue, and he's actually the one that um, kind of asked that this dog be a pit bull on the show, even though pit bulls aren't typically the kind of dog that they you have on television. They don't follow direction very well. <laughs> um, but yeah, this uh, pit bull is his uh, new number one. I guess to replace Riker. Yeah, I mean, and then, then we kind of get into what I kind of got ahead of myself with, with the pictures. Yeah. So, she actually, when they wake up the next morning, she's gone because she realized with her being there, she was bringing danger upon them. And I'm not sure how she came about this, you know, this conclusion, but she had she left. And yeah. They woke up and they realized she was gone. So this this Dodge character was gone. And at this point. You know, Picard decides he's going to go back to that, you know, that vault like I was speaking of earlier and open it up and check out this other picture. And when he opened it up, he realized her face was on this picture. And he started drawing connections. And it's actually, if I remember correctly, it was a part of Data or Data's daughter. Because the picture was called Daughter. Right. And they're kind of hoping, I think they were they were relying on the, the fans to connect the dots. I don't think they specifically said Data's daughter. Or Data's daughter for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it kind of trusts the audience. I, I'm sure if you know a ton of the, the Star Trek backstory, which I'm only somewhat familiar with, um, you can try to f follow along. It's kind of difficult. But for what I got out of it, and I, I think what's going on here, is that um, Data, back in the day, um, you know, he tried to, Data tried to create life himself. He tried to create his own AI to, to kind of have like an offspring. Um, that ended up failing. Um, and then he died, and I think there was either a creator or some sort of scientist that took a neuron from Data, and eventually we find out later in this uh, show that uh, Picard goes and sees this uh, scientist played by Alison Pill. Uh, she's at uh, some you know San Francisco-based uh, scientific research. You see the gold. It's funny you see these cities like Boston and San Francisco, and they're totally like futuristic. But then you also see like the Golden Gate Bridge. So you're like, oh, I guess that's San Francisco. Yeah, I know where <laughs> that is. It looks like an alien city, but. Um, he talks with the scientist, and uh, I guess there was a, another scientist, um, which we haven't met yet on the show, that took one of uh, a neuron from Data and sort of spawned these other two 
creations, these other two AIs, these like perfect artificial intelligences from him, um, one of which is Dodge and the other of which, well, we meet at the end of this episode. Yeah, well, when we actually get to you see this, this scientist that you're speaking of, when Picard meets up with her, I mean, they pretty much shut down the whole like synthetics lab. There's oh, yeah. nothing going on there. They, after that whole incident that happened, you know, beginning of the show on Mars, uh, Starfleet, and I guess there was, it was a treaty amongst them and others that that stuff basically would come to an end. They'd cut it off. Yeah. Well, yeah. What they did is you, she opens up a drawer, and all of a sudden you see you see B four. Right. So you see Data's, you know brother that was a complete <laughs> failure <laughs> yeah if I, was... if I understand right the data basically uploaded all his his thoughts his intelligence basically made a carbon copy of his you know his intellect into him but it didn't quite translate yeah it didn't take apparently i guess that wasn't a huge um that wasn't a huge favorite plot point of the last movie where um b4 was going to kind of become data uh, so they kind of nixed that from the get-go here, which uh, I guess is cool. You know, it, it's it's cool that they're working with Data's legacy. You know, the last movie dealt heavily with Data and Picard's relationship, and for them to kind of take those threads and move them forward in this show is kind of neat. Well, there was something in the very beginning of the, the, the opening when they're showing, like, the nebulas and everything, and then they, they zoom closer and closer in, and it looks like there's, like, a face being made mm-hmm. by, like, uh, DNA or things like that. Oh so right. That I, I think if we were really if we knew what we know now, that would have given us a hint to hey, there is other creations out there like data. Yeah. You know, what he was actually thinking. So I think they gave you, you know, dropped hints at the very beginning, but since none of us really knew what we were looking for, they were able to get away with it. Right. Um, so this girl, you know, she finds Picard again because uh, earlier in the episode she made a phone call to her supposed mother, which may not be her mother at all. Apparently if she's an artificial intelligence and a, and a creation from a science lab. Um, but uh, she calls this mother figure who immediately just tells her, you know, you need to go back to Picard. Like, he'll take care of you. Don't worry about it. Um, so she does. She, she finds him again uh, using the uh, quick finger technique, going over some data pads um, like Data used to in, on the show, uh, kind of moving through information at lightning speed. She finds him again at this science research facility in San Francisco, and uh, immediately they get to talking and they're ambushed again. Yeah, yeah. Then we see Picard being old man running. Uh, yeah, he doesn't do that very well anymore. <laughs> no, he had to like uh, it was. Yeah, he had to. I guess the guy is eighty years old, so it, it makes sense. You know, it would make less sense if he was like you know running full sprint. <laughs> yeah, if you've seen him, it's all just hauling. So, yep, that's not right. Yeah, but they get to the top of this building, and you're saying they were already ambushed. Yeah, and Dodge basically activates again, starts yep. wiping them all out, and at the very end, one of these. Uh, I'm assuming it was a Romulan, I think it was. Right. Uh, went ahead and like spit this acid out towards her, and it hit the gun he was she was holding, and kaboom! Right when we yeah. start liking a character, she boom. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what a way to open up a season of television with this character who you think is going to be, you know, someone you follow the rest of the season, and they die the first episode. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, it's it. I got to give him credit because I mean, there, a lot of the shows that I enjoy watching aren't scared to kill somebody. Right. Even if they are what they feel like a main character. And in this one, they kind of get away with it by saying she was a twin. Yeah. So you still kind of get that feeling from that original character you kind of enjoyed watching. Yeah, that actress still gets to work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so they're, they're kind of cheating in that aspect. But uh, I, I like that. I like being having the nerve to go ahead and do that and, you know, kind of move on. Yeah, so, I mean, because of this, it really kind of sets Picard off. I mean, he was uh, kind of wanting to help this girl as much as he could. And uh, he kind of, you know, discovered that she was pretty much the offspring of Data. So he was even more willing to help her at that point. Um, and then, you know, she blows up right in front of him. Um, he finds himself, when he wakes up back at his uh, Chateau Picard, um, and the, the Romulans kind of wake him up. And, you know, he's dead set on going back out there and finding some answers. Yeah, so it looks like it's going to be a, a buddy movie. Um, he's going to get some <laughs> friends together. and Yeah, apparently it's gonna be a bunch, Yeah, a bunch of faces that, you know, are familiar and some that aren't familiar for uh, Trekkies out there. I mean, I could probably draw some conclusions by some of them that are familiar to me just by based on casual watching TV. Right. But, uh, I mean, overall, I mean, what was your what was your, what was your conclusion that first episode, are you? Excited to watch more or? 
Oh, for sure, yeah. I mean, I've been um, ready to watch this show even since I heard that it was announced. I remember watching Patrick Stewart kind of, kind of announce it at a uh, convention uh, where he had really kind of stated that he wouldn't be playing this character ever again. There just wasn't any room for it, and he felt, you know, the character went out on a good note. And um, But uh, if it was intriguing enough for him to come back, then I was intrigued to watch it. Um, yeah, I'll say about the same. I mean, I enjoyed it. I watched it. It was a... Uh... To give it credit, I didn't feel like it, it felt like 45 minutes, 50 minutes. I got the partial, you know, interview, uh, commercial thing through CBS All Access. I right. didn't drop the full 10 bucks on it. You know, cheap me. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it didn't feel like I was spending that much time watching it. And that, that's, yeah. a, that's a testament to any type of show. When it can suck you in and you don't realize that time has gone by by the time the episode's over and you want more, I mean, that's always a good sign. And it definitely has me coming back for more. Yeah, I think if you were a fan of The Next Generation, if you're a Star Trek fan in general, then it's a must-watch. And even if you're just a casual fan like me and Chris are, it's definitely worth checking out. Like Chris mentioned earlier, it's you know it's free for a week. Uh, get, a, get a free trial, check it out, see if you like it. And uh, I think it's well worth checking out Episode 2 when that comes out next week. Absolutely, yeah, it's one of those. And I like how they're holding to the weekly releases, not the yes. Netflix the just drop all at once release. Right. Because it, it, gives, it gives people time to watch. It gives people time to talk about it mm-hmm. and, and rewatch it before the next one comes out so you can kind of digest it and maybe go back and catch some things that you didn't catch the first time. Yeah, let it simmer, but uh, yeah, very no, enjoyable. That, yeah, no, all is awesome. On the, uh, the other side of the stars here, we actually did have some Star Wars news. Uh, kind of dropped this week. Some scary news, actually. Um, you know, when I first heard it, I was like, are they canceling Obi-Wan? That can't be right. Um, after all this time of waiting for a movie and then a show and then have it be delayed and delayed, at first I heard they were canceling it, but no, it's it looks like its uh, release date is sliding back a bit. Yeah, they pushed it back a little bit. Uh, they, need, they only had really two episodes written already anyway. And for what I understood was the, the storyline... For Obi Wan was going to kind of mirror the Mandalorian really too closely for their liking, and it was going to come down to like Obi Wan taking care or watching over a, a young Luke, which essentially right. is the Mandalorian watching over Baby Yoda, you know, on the desert planets and everything. So uh, they wanted to go ahead and and kind of change that. Now they're holding on to Deborah Chow, so the director, so that's staying the same. Yeah, they but, can uh, the writer though. Yeah, they yeah they went ahead and were starting new with somebody else with that, but really how. There's not much they can more they can do with it though. I mean, giving that writer a little bit of credit here, they're on Tatooine. It is a desert planet. He is responsible for looking over, you know, Luke. But in my understanding prior to that was there was really no interaction. Uncle Owen and uh, Aunt Beru right, kept them away from him. So he he had to watch from afar. So he would have his own things going on. Just kind of keeping, you know, his distance. So we're not, in my opinion, I don't think we're going to see Luke and him interact a whole lot. Right. So I'm not sure exactly why they they kind of were going down the road of, you know, the protector kind of thing. Yeah, that is strange. Um, it seems like that's an idea that probably would have been nixed from the get-go because, like you said, I mean, Luke doesn't have a ton of familiarity with old Ben. He's aware of who he is. Um, but it's not like they're close friends or anything. Yeah, I think he's a hermit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you kind of get the sense that Obi-Wan would have watched them from afar, make sure the uh, all the raiders and sand people and general you know, lowlifes on Tatooine stayed at a somewhat safe f- vicinity <laughs> from uh, Uncle Owen's farm. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm glad if that was the direction they were heading, I'm glad they're kind of scrapping it all and starting from the get-go. Because I think this should be... I think Luke should be... Maybe you see a scene where Obi-Wan kind of sees Luke from afar, but I don't think that should be the whole show. I think this should be a, um, a, an exploration into the character of Obi-Wan Kenobi, his um, the after effects of um, what, you know, I was about to say Hayden Christensen, <laughs> but with what Anakin did to him, and, uh, you know, the aftermath of that battle, and just him living this life and, and changing the way he needs to change, and learning about the living force from Qui-Gon. Yeah. I mean, that's all stuff that's, that's ripe for some plot. I hope we get Qui-Gon's like, voice in this. Because yes. I know Yoda's last mission, and we'll talk about this later, uh, to Obi-Wan was, well, one last lesson, I should say, was about the living force. Right. And if if Yoda keyed into Qui-Gon, 
Obi-Wan should absolutely be able to key into him to, to learn this additional, you know, type of uh, a lesson to be able to, and obviously he does because he becomes a force ghost and you can't become a right. force ghost unless you're Hayden Christensen without <laughs> learning this, you know, this lesson. <laughs> yeah. Or Anakin Skywalker, we should say. Or Leia. Uh, or, 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 or <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on, yeah. But yeah. Uh, I don't think Obi-Wan needs to stay on planet the whole time. Definitely with him being younger. I right. think he has the ability to go off planet and learn these lessons, but still be able to keep you know Luke within arm's reach. And if they can kind of walk that balance of him learning his stuff and still kind of keeping an eye on Luke, I think that's kind of where I want it to be. Oh yeah, definitely. I you know he doesn't need to be watching over Luke like all day and all night. I think Uncle Owen's you know got the kid. He's going to keep him safe at least for a week before I have to intervene. So let me uh, go off planet and get into some adventures and come back real quick. Yeah. So I mean, I think it's a good thing that they scrapped it, came back to it. Now the funny thing is, uh, Ewan McGregor came out like guns a blazing. Yeah. He's like, this is all just BS. This is uh, everything about nothing. Uh, there's nothing wrong with the show. We're just making sure we get it right to p- not piss anybody off, and it's it's impossible in the Star Wars world. Right. I think the only unified like praise that came out was when you know the Clone Wars episode uh, season seven came out when everyone was loving that. But uh, yeah, and from what I've heard, they you know it hasn't even delayed the release date at all. Um, the only thing that's been delayed is the actual, uh, you know, the start of shooting and filming, which they have enough wiggle room to where they can still make that uh, release date that they had set out anyway. So, yeah, I don't think there's any reason to really kind of hit the panic button. And if they needed to take some time to make sure the scripts were as good as they could be, then I'm all for it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think McGregor was definitely in damage control. Oh, yeah. Trying to to fend off everybody. Because, I mean, really, if you think about it, Star Wars has become, well, Disney plus Star Wars has become its own enemy. Yeah. Because they set the bar so high with the Mandalorian. Oh, yeah. With a character we just met. Exactly. Obi-Wan has to meet that bar or exceed it because everyone loves Obi-Wan. Yeah. So this is one of those things that they can't just throw out there, you know, willy-lilly and hope it, it achieves. I mean, there, there's no, there's no not achieving with this. They have to actually at least achieve the the Mandalorian bar. Oh, for sure. So, um, you know, still looking forward to Obi Wan on Disney Plus. Um, I guess we'll keep an ear out for any future news on that. But uh, uh, more Star Wars down the line here. Star Wars Clone Wars, the new season premiering on Disney Plus next month, just about a month from now, February twenty first. Get your and- binge on. Uh, I know. Well, luckily enough, and I asked you in a a last episode or a few episodes ago, like if there was any kind of shortcut I could take to where I could kind of cut out the filler and watch the real meat and potatoes, um, you know, plot points to prepare me. And uh, luckily, I guess StarWars.com listed uh, 10 essential episodes for me to watch. Yeah, and I'm actually probably eight episodes, seven, yeah, eight episodes into this here. And I mean, it, they're only twenty-minute episodes, so it's it's pretty quick. Now, the only thing that I found a uh, a problem with is they hit some like huge storyline arcs at the beginning and just moved on. Now, if you don't mm. know any better, you would never know any better, right? But I know better. <laughs> <laughs> like for instance, let um, me see here. It says on number uh, we we have these listed out through there. Now I'll just read them off real quick. So they've got the the layer of grievous, which is season one, episode ten. Uh, Lightsaber Lost, Season 2, Episode 11. Then we have The Zillow Beast, which is Season 2, Episode 18. Arc Trooper, Season 3, Episode 2. Monsters, Season 3, Episode 13. Uh, Overlord, Season 3, Episode 15. The Gathering, Season 5, Episode 6. A Sunny Day in the Void, which is weird. Uh, season 5, <laughs> Episode 11. <laughs> the Jedi, which is Season 5, Episode 20. And then Sacrifice. So now, this is after... It was canceled. It was brought back to Netflix. And this was The Lost Missions, episode oh. thirteen. Okay. Now you'll find them all, you know, within Disney Plus. But yeah, but there's a whole like group of them that are called The Lost Missions. Now this was after the show was canceled. Netflix revived it for that, you know, that last bit. Oh yeah, I remember that. So um, I mean, as you can see, they skip around. There's only uh, um, you know a couple episodes maybe out of each season. Yeah. Uh, looks like season four they skipped altogether. Um, yeah. So. 
Um, it's funny, you know, I, I, as much as I appreciate having kind of a, um, uh, a boiled down um, set of episodes to watch, it is kind of uh, hard, especially with a show that I assume like Clone Wars, where it is episodic, but you also probably have some overarching stuff. That yes, goes, that, that's right? the biggest uh, error right there in your thoughts. It is not episodic at all. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, no, the biggest, I mean, you can you can look online and you can find chronologically how to watch it. Like, you'll say, like, you watch episode five first, then go to two, then go to, like, episode 15. It, it, the way it was released isn't very cohesive with the story. Now, there are some pieces in there that are released close together. Say, for instance, if you look at Overlords, which is season three, uh, episode 15, right. that's the whole, um, the Mortis or arc. So mm -hmm. it's episode 15, 16, and 17. If you're going to watch episode 15, there's no way you cannot watch 16 and 17. I see. It, it gives you the full background of uh, Anakin's future. It right. shows him basically, if he would have taken this one path, he wouldn't have become Vader. Mm. But this other path, uh, you know, he becomes Vader. So even even the father, that the character in the show, says, you know, because you're going this way, you're gonna stumble and fall essentially. Yeah. So it's it's pretty it, it's it's one of my favorite arcs actually in the show. Uh, but there's another one where uh, a monster. Whereas this is season three, episode thirteen, it shows the basically Savage, uh, Savage Oppress. So we know of Darth Maul. So this is basically a character from Dathomir of Darth Maul's lineage. Yeah. And then, basically, Dooku basically turns his back on uh, Asajj Ventress. So Asajj wants to go ahead and try to assassinate him. So they get this Savage, they go ahead and they use the magics, uh, Mother Torzine uses the magics on uh, Dathomir, and makes him, like, freaking a monster. He's huge. He's just, like, a roided up, like, Dathomirian <laughs> dude. It shows where Savage and Maul actually become side-by-side, side, and it's almost like Maul becomes the master and Savage becomes the apprentice. It shows where Sidious actually shows up, and Maul bows to him, you know, kind of like master. It's like, I'm not master anymore. You have an apprentice. And then there's a huge lightsaber battle between those Oh, I watched that three. on YouTube. That's a, I just watched the fight where, where Palpatine, or, you know, Sidious shows up on a ship, and it's like, oh, snap. <laughs> I, it was one of my favorite episodes of the show, just, just a throwdown between the, th the three of them. I think a lot of these episodes here are showing what the actual fundamentals of the Clone Wars was. Yeah. So there was some weird things in there, which would be the droids. I mean, you have, you know, Ahsoka's storyline arc in it. Uh, I, mean, there, I mean, there's a Zillow Beast. I mean, that one there is basically, uh, they go to a planet, you know, the Separatists go in there, they drop a, basically uh, a bomb on there, knock out all the freaking, you know, droids, but they open up this hole to this beast that's been asleep for, you know, thousands upon thousands of years, and they thought they were extinct, and they basically eat the inhabitants of this planet so <laughs> it's another weird ass episode yeah so some of these are really weird i mean arc troopers is really good it shows where they uh actually attack camino where all the uh the clones are so they're defending uh the actual the actual their home you, you see all the troopers actually uh their personalities it's not just you know their clones everyone's the exact same it shows how each individual clone is their own person right which was the importance between that episode there? Yeah, I'm I'm kind of debating. I mean, you know, Picard is kind of a another example of this, to where there's a ton of backstory, um, and you know, an entire series of Star Trek: The Next Generation and all the Next Generation movies that have taken place. Uh, there's a lot to catch up on to have uh, and a lot of backstory uh, leading up to the Picard series, uh, which I only know a little bit of. Star Wars, I'm a little bit more versed, but not necessarily with the Clone Wars. I never really watched the, you know, I've only seen an episode or two here and there, and there have been, what, uh, five, like, five and a half seasons, somewhat, something like that? Yeah. Um, so, I don't know, I'm almost, um, I'm almost tempted to just kind of watch the new show as is, and rely on my previous Star Wars knowledge, and anything I'm confused by, I'll just ask you <laughs> as a shortcut. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I mean, I, I have a hard time endorsing that. <laughs> just Get ready for some text, my friend. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's funny how this—you know—the shoes on the other foot now. It really mm -hmm. is. 
based on the trailer that's come out, I mean, if you don't know, to me, it feels like this is mainly going to be about Ahsoka and Darth Maul. That's what it looks like, yeah. And if you really have no connection to Ahsoka and, you know, why she walked away, I mean, there's a big line in the trailer when she talks about, you know, the, the Jedi were trained to keep the peace. She walked away because they were now being soldiers, and that's not who she was. Right. And that's, I mean, it's crazy how she's seen, she had that foresight, and Yoda and Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon and, and all of them didn't have that same foresight. Yeah. And she actually was never knighted. She never became an actual Jedi knight. She she walked away uh, when she was an actual Padawan. And know what? If you don't watch any of them, watch The Wrong Jedi. Watch season five, season five, episode twenty. If okay. that's the only one you watch, because that is very, very important to her storyline going into this one here. Okay, fair enough. I think I can bring myself to watch one episode of Clone Wars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's important. And some people, and there's a lot of arguments out there that say the the sacrifice, the last one here, the Lost Missions episode thirteen, is. Yeah. Arguably one of the best episodes of the show to you know to this point. Oh, so, sweet. So I mean that there, there's those two right there are really good. I mean I've got you you can tell I enjoy almost all of them here just because a lot of it deals with so much of the dark side and I've always been such a dark side you know enthusiast. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, and then 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 comes the Mandalorian and I just turns my world around. I don't know what I'm thinking now. <laughs> I know it's uh, it's all good stuff, and uh, I'm gonna try my best. I mean, there's a ton of just great television to watch right now. Like I said, I'm watching The Outsider, and you know, trying to watch what I can, sort of in between, um, you know, kids YouTube <laughs> on my television. Yeah. But uh, the, the positive thing these are only like 20 minutes. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the that's the best thing about this. I think, like I said, I've I've been two days, and I've almost watched all 10 of these. I gotcha. Okay. So I mean, it's something that you can get through relatively quickly, and it's not uh, a really a, a drag. Now, the episode eight, you could probably skip that one, the sunny day, <laughs> and avoid it. <laughs> <laughs> but we were talking about this one before uh, about you know where Leia got her actual uh, kyber crystal, and Ray and all them. The the gathering is actually all about the younglings going to get their kyber crystals. Oh, and what okay. they and, and what the actual what that entailed. So I mean that that answers even questions that we spoke about in the past, and how they actually get those. So I mean, like I said, a lot of these have rever- you know are important to the Star Wars world in general. Right. I mean, you, you could probably cross a few of these off here, like Grievous. That really doesn't have anything to do with anything. You can probably get rid of the lights, false lightsaber. But when you're thinking of overall show arc. There are a few of those that actually are important in this, the world of Star Wars in general. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely something I'm going to uh, try to dedicate some time to between now and February 21st. I've got you know a few weeks to get as many of these as, in as I can. And like I said, they're 20 minutes each, so just uh, little bite-sized portions. But uh, something that I won't be spending time with uh, anytime soon are some possible movie reboots or uh, remakes that may be heading our way down the line. Uh, I guess you saw... A few of these, right? Like, uh, what, The Mask? A yeah. Mask uh, Jim Carrey was out there. He was actually, uh, you know, promoting Sonic. And they were going on and on. And, and somehow they got off topic of Sonic, and they asked him about The Mask. Would he do, an ep- you know, a not a reboot, but a sequel to The Mask? Mm. And he basically was quoted with saying that he hasn't, he's never ruled it out. But it depended on if the filmmaker is a visionary. So, I mean... It, we see the goofy Jim Carrey come back. We, we yes. we've seen that in the trailers of Sonic, which I mean I'm I'm kind of itching for. I missed that Jim Carrey. That's that's the Jim oh, Carrey I, I liked. Yeah, that's and, the uh, Jim Carrey we grew up on. Yeah, so he said it's something he he will do. It just has to be done down the lines of the mask. Now I'll admit, the mask isn't one of my favorite Jim Carrey movies. No, but if he did another one, I w- I would absolutely go watch it. Yeah, I would too, and I think it would play because you know when I think about the mask, I think about how popular it could be these days uh, if you kind of compare it to Deadpool, kind of that same irreverent, kind of raunchy, cartoonish humor um, that Deadpool is apparently you know goes over gangbusters with the audiences these days. Yeah, Um, I think um, Jim Carrey could you know if he could pull it off, he you know he's still able to move around and act 
somewhat like he used to. I'm sure he can't move quite as fluidly as he used to, you know, 25 years ago. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think it w I'd be interested in seeing something like that, depending on how it's done. Now, if it's just a cheap, kind of unfunny 90-minute cash grab, which there's a high possibility of that some um, sequel to The Mask being. I mean, there was already Son of the Mask, yeah. <laughs> which well, was I'm not good at all. I'm pretty confident that Jim Carrey at this point won't do it. Yeah, based yeah. On, based on the conversation, the uh, what I heard, he's like, you know what? I'm just not going to do it to do it. It's got to be something that he he liked. It kind of almost done the same lines of Picard, right? With uh, Patrick Stewart, he wasn't coming back for that character unless there was something that he agreed with. I got the exact same feeling from Jim Carrey with you know the mask, you know, part two print, you know, for instance, <laughs> uh, yeah. whatever whatever they want to call it. So um, I mean, there's there, there's that. It's, I'm kind of it's kind of keeping my ear to the you know to the pavement. To see what else you know can come from that. What about um, so you know we've had the photo real, um, you know quote unquote live action, but it's CG recreation of the Lion King last year, right? And yeah. I guess are they uh, working towards Bambi as well? That's what I've heard. Uh, who really wants this? I mean, <laughs> Disney, Disney wants the money in their pocket, and they're gonna, their people are gonna go see it. I I guess. Is Bambi still relevant enough? I don't know. Here's here's the thing with Bambi. And there's some of these... I'm kind of, of of two minds about it. Because I feel like if you're going to remake any of these old Disney cartoons, I think the old ones are the way to go. I mean, they've been focusing on, you know, the renaissance of Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Lion King, stuff that was really popular in the 90s when we were kids. Um, but I feel like there's stuff that is to be mined and maybe could be done better with the old stuff say like um i don't know like peter pan and sleeping beauty and which they kind of are with maleficent right um you know so it's it's one of these things where i feel like it could be done well but bambi is one where there's not a lot of meat on those bones man like bambi like what happens like you see him get born that's the whole opening of the movie then his mom dies and then he grows up and he meets his dad and uh that's about it end of movie yeah, that, yeah that's essentially it so i mean you're gonna get, you make it Bambi in the name, yeah, and that, that's essentially what it's gonna be, because really the the whole the love behind Bambi was it was it was visually really nice. Even oh, now, sure. if, if you play it back on, I mean, you can't even get the 4K copy of or even a full screen copy of it. It's gonna be you know, you know what it is, and it's it still looks really nice. And I know my daughter loved watching it, but yeah, I'm not gonna take her to a photorealistic one. I just don't I don't. The I'm only thing it appropriate. Yeah, I feel like it would just be an exercise of, you know, how do we recreate photoreal animals and get them to talk, but instead of being in the savanna like the Lion King, let's put it in the forest, <laughs> the American North American forest and see if people will come out in droves to, to pay their ticket to go watch that. And I, I don't I don't really think think they would. Um but you yeah, you're right. Especially... Be another like Dumbo type incident? I, I think so, and especially with Bambi, considering there's, you know, there's the part where Bambi's mother is, is shot and dies, but, you know, there's the part where Mufasa dies in Lion King, too, so I don't know. What are your feelings about that? I don't know. Mufasa doesn't get shot by a hunter. <laughs> That's true. I mean, there is a lot of realness that goes on right there. You know, a lion killing a lion, it's, I can see that being, you know, a little bit, you know, okay, but... uh yeah, how graphic to get with the gunshot, or is it just yeah, some strange silhouette in the distance? Like, who knows? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the thumper and flower and, you know, the owl. I can see all that. I can see it being, you know, being kind of fun in that aspect. But they're, I don't know. It's. I think, it, you know what, I didn't even mean to actually draw the comparison between, you know, Bambi and Dumbo. But I won't see Dumbo. I have, I have the animated Dumbo. That's Dumbo. What I've seen trailer-wise of this new one is it's not Dumbo. It's Dumbo in the name and in the elephant. Yeah. And that's that's about it. I think Dumbo, and yeah, I'm sorry, I, I think of the, the, the crows. I think of, you know, the clowns, you know, the hallucinogenic, you know, the Dumbo the parade. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm thinking of all of that. I'm thinking of the, the trippy, weird Dumbo that is always going to be Dumbo. Right. And when Not they Colin ahead, Farrell? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. Um, but uh, with Bambi, I'm thinking uh, the same thing's going to happen. Because like you were saying, there's not much there. So if they want to go ahead and fill... Uh, no movie is an hour and 90 minutes anymore. 
they're yeah. going to attack another 30 minutes on this, making at least two hours. And there's not even enough for 90 minutes. So they're going to add a bunch of stuff, a bunch of filler, a bunch of, you know, this and there. And it's probably by the, at the end of it, it's not even going to feel like, like Bambi anymore. Yeah, and I don't know if Bambi is based off a book or if this is uh, this property is wholly invented by Disney for that film, um, because I know you know the Jungle Book did pretty well, and it but it had you know Rudyard Kipling's novel to go off of outside of just the old Disney cartoon uh, to kind of expand the story and fill it out. And I don't know if there's a comparable you know novel or book or story that's tied with Bambi. I think this was straight out of Walt Disney, Walt Disney's uh, Imagineering crew and everything. Yeah. I think there wasn't anything on this besides, you know, coming f- straight from them. Right. Because yeah, it was still so early in the Disney you know, company. So right. I don't think they were pulling anything from any- anything besides just their own stuff and making their own name. Yeah, so that would be an uphill climb, I think, for anything that would be even remotely successful. Um, but, uh, I mean, speaking of these old movies, I guess you heard that uh, Pinocchio was another um, older movie of theirs that they're looking to recreate, right? Yeah, Pinocchio is actually in the works now. There isn't a whole lot known yet for this one here. Uh, they got a couple producers. Uh, I'm going to say their names wrong. Andrew Mayano and Chris... Warts, but uh, I mean, they don't even have a whole lot to their names. And Chris actually has—he's already within the House of Mouse, yeah. So he's got uh, Rogue One to his name. He's got Cinderella, and funny enough, he's got uh, a credit on all the American Pie movies. Which you know, if you're a '90s kid like we are, they're kind of our um, (laughs) our movies growing up. Kind of like our parents had uh, Animal House. (laughs) Yeah, that series was uh, huge when we were kids. But I mean, this one here—I mean, this this to me, this is straight nightmare fuel. Uh, I mean, even the even the, the cartoon can be scary as hell for a kid. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, Pinocchio. What he wants to be a real boy turns into a real boy, then turns into a donkey. I mean, tra- trapped on an island. I mean, come on, really? I mean, who was really writing these movies and figuring these out? Because, man, that that's even scarier than a dot. <laughs> Uh, yeah, swallowed by a whale, right? So it's like yeah. you got body horror and transformation, and uh, you know, being eaten by a living another living creature, and just some dark stuff. I mean, you're right. The animation. I don't know if I'd even feel that comfortable, um, you know, showing my kindergartner the the animation. I think you know, there's some parts that are probably like, um, I mean, she she'd be able to handle it, but I don't know if it'd be worth it with the rest of the movie. Um, I gotta. On the other hand, though, there are aspects of Pinocchio to where I would be very interested to see how they would do it, how they would bring Pinocchio to life as a puppet to make him somewhat more like a real boy moving around, you know, because it would be CG created. Yeah. Like, who would they cast as Geppetto? How would they do Jiminy Cricket? I mean, Jiminy Cricket was a huge character for Walt yeah. Disney Company for many, many years. Like, even after Pinocchio came out, Jiminy Cricket was kind of like the number two um mascot behind mickey mouse for years like he would introduce films and just be kind of a hit character all of his own um so i think there's potential there you know with the blue fairy and kind of all the other you know kind of nice quaint um aspects of of that story that could be redone in a great way these days but yeah there are some some scary stuff that would i would imagine be even scarier with uh, with it looking more photoreal I mean, I think they would have to go in with a, with a realistic rating of like maybe even a PG-13. Yeah. Where it's not, I mean, yeah, it's family-friendly, but make it up to the parents. You know, be careful with this, because this could be a little uh, little bit of traumatizing to your children here uh, with this. Because, I mean, there's, I mean, we, me and my wife, we enjoy uh, America's Got Talent. And just, it's kind of funny how these, they run parallel right now, because there was a performance on the one we just watched where they were acting as those dolls. And oh, really? I'm thinking back, I was like, man, that is just freaky. Oh, like marionette? And marionette puppets? dolls, yeah. I mean, arms up, moving around, you've seen the lines coming out, you know, on the screen behind them, and they were just kind of, you know, they, they mastered the, uh, the performance. Yeah. But I'm like, man, that is just too... I was almost too much. <laughs> I'm like, wow, that's, that's weird. So I don't know if I can can handle that. Uh, you know, he's got no strings to hold him down. You know, make him smile or make him frown. You know, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> there have been other versions of Pinocchio done in live action with CG as well. That was outside of the Disney version. I think maybe Warner Brothers or it was another studio that put one out either in the 
late 90s or early 2000s but uh that totally bombed um so i don't know you know both of these either of these things bambi and pinocchio they could go either way um i think they would have an easier time getting their money back with pinocchio because i think there's more meat on the bones there um but yeah i feel like even though you know there's a decent story to pull from it's just tough with uh kind of right the the right mix and feel for today's disney yeah there's a lot of cautionary tales out there right now People yeah. aren't just going to the theater. You're seeing, uh, I know we referenced, referenced Cats a few times just because of how much of it's bombed, but then there's also <laughs> uh, uh, the Robert Downey Jr. one that was just Doolittle. out there. Doolittle. Just completely bombed. If people aren't behind it or if it gets out there and it gets a lot of bad reviews, people aren't going to see it or they'll just wait for it to come out. They're not just going to go out there and throw the money at it just because it's you know it's a, a name. Yeah. So, I mean, like you said before, there's so many options out there now, so much different entertainment that we can watch, uh, things that we know that we're going to enjoy. Why are we going to risk something that, you know, we we may not at all? Unless they're just 100% banking on, you know, nostalgia. Yeah. And, I mean, even that's, you know, they've got a cautionary tale with that. Dumbo. Like I said, Dumbo completely hit. That feather fell out of his nose, and he fell on his face. <laughs> he sure did. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I love myself some Disney, and... I've been uh, we we've, we've been watching a lot of Disney Plus lately, just between you know the kids and me watching some you know the Clone Wars, and we'll watch you know One Day in Disney. Um, right. Yeah, you can bank on the fact that Disney will uh, release another uh, recreation of their old properties. You can bank on other studios doing the same, uh, whether it's The Mask or any other um, property that was uh, popular in the 90s, right? But uh, you can also bank on me and Chris coming back to talk about it, uh, whatever the studios throw at us. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's a show for this week. What do you think? Yeah, no, we uh, like we typically do. We you know, wring this thing dry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, I mean, you guys know where to find us by now. I mean, we're going to go ahead, continue putting it out there. Like us, comment on us, uh, all the above. Uh, you know, you know where our emails as well by now. I mean, I'm Chris at dadnarock.com. I'm Sean at dadnarock.com. Find us on Facebook, too. Yeah, we, we share a lot. We put a lot of things out there. Respond back to us. Uh, if there's an, if there's another show out there you want us to watch uh, to kind of get your uh, our opinion on so maybe uh, you don't have to waste your time on it if it sucks, uh, we'll waste <laughs> some of our time on it. Yeah, absolutely. We'll uh, give you the glowing endorsement or we'll let you know if it's not quite worth your time. But uh, There we go. Okay, well, I think that's a good spot to go ahead and stop here and call it a, a night for the Dead and Rock show. I, I'm Chris, and I'm speaking for Sean here, but we'll catch you guys next time. Smoking.